Hi, I'm Emily Rendell-Watson. And I'm Faiza Ramji, and welcome to our first episode of Bloom. This week, we'll talk a bit about how we'll be covering innovation in Edmonton each week and our backgrounds, what each of us do, and why we care about what's happening in this community. Plus, it's been a busy start to the year. We'll go over the latest announcements from companies like Wyvern and Alta ML and talk about what's coming up, including funding opportunities for clean tech and life sciences startups. Well, we're into it. The very first episode. Um, I'm excited to get started doing Bloom and and talk about the opportunities that are available in the Edmonton region, how the ecosystem is growing, and you know, really get into the latest news and providing some analysis and context on some of the stories that I've been working on and things that are catching your eyes. Me too. This is this is going to be fun. I I think it's a uh, it's a great time to be starting a, a podcast about innovation in Edmonton because although there's been so much going on for so long, I feel like we're at kind of a critical juncture or or the curve in the hockey stick where it seems things seem to really be taking off. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. I think and you know, especially covering some of what's been happening, especially over the past year in in this community. I'm so curious to actually hear from innovators who are working on some of the challenges that not only Edmonton is facing, but also the world, whether that's climate change or food security or really running the gamut in terms of things that our, our startups in Edmonton are tackling. So I think it'll be good to actually dive into some of those interviews and, and hear from people about not only what they're doing, but also why they're doing what they're doing. I think that's kind of something that always catches my eye about what really draws someone to whatever issue they're working on or, or challenge they're tackling. So it'll be cool to get into that. And I think the other thing is just before we get into it, you know, I want entrepreneurs and investors in the city to be able to listen to the podcast and get a good idea of what's going on and some of the historical context around some of these things and, you know, be able to get get a head start in knowing what's coming up, but also the regular Edmontonian who doesn't necessarily have a role within the the ecosystem themselves, but they're really interested in innovation and you know, trying to find a role for themselves within that community. So being able to actually equip them with these stories about innovation and and so they can learn more about it and talk to their, you know, friends and family about it and really start to grow that ripple effect within the city of of all this exciting stuff that's happening. Yeah. And I think, you know, Edmontonians are notorious for being overly humble. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't generally talk very well about what we do, uh, which I think is very detrimental when you're in the innovation space, because in order to get funding and in order to get PR and and to get customers and partners, you need to be really comfortable talking about yourself and what you're doing and advocate for yourself. And I don't think we do that very well here. But I also think it will be surprising to people to know how long innovation has been happening in our city. And some of the things that people are so that have become household terms like AI and machine learning and Mm -hmm. things like that have actually had a really rich history in this city. We just never knew what that was, nor was it really that relevant to us at that time. But now as we're surrounded by all these new technologies and all these new solutions to big problems, it's going to be interesting for people to hear how a lot of that has had a role in Edmonton for so long. Yeah, no, for sure. I've I've only really been covering uh, tech and innovation and health related solutions 
for the last couple of years and really only more in depth in the last year or two. Um, so it's always interesting to me when I look back and and see how much history there really is. And I think it's really come to the forefront for sure in the last couple of years with some of the new developments that have happened. But it's amazing to see that there's so much that goes into getting here. And that's part of when we when I think about Bloom and the name Bloom, um, this idea of, you know, it's not it's not just you know, one day a company or an idea just took off. Sometimes that happens, but there's a lot of things that and people and time that go into growing all of these ideas. And it's really kind of a, a labor of love, I guess, in a lot of ways to create a community like like the one that I think is, you know, really starting to flourish in Edmonton. Mm-hmm, definitely. Before we Before we get into some of the headlines and top news about what's been happening in Edmonton over the past, uh, you know, first couple of weeks of January. I'm hoping that you can tell me a little bit more about your background and so that people listening can hear about um, where you're coming from and and what experience you bring to the table. Because I know that, uh, you know, you, you have a bit more hands-on experience in this sector than I do. So tell us about what you do. Sure. So what I'm currently doing is I run a strategy studio called On Purpose, and we work with mid-size enterprises, um, mostly in Alberta right now, but we do have a few clients outside of Alberta, and we try to help them connect their companies better with their customers. Uh, so really helping them understand you know, how to market their products or services to their customers, how to grow their audiences, and how to tell their stories in a way where customers can actually understand the impact of what they do rather than the nuts and bolts. And that really came from working in economic development. Uh, I was at the company formerly known as Edmonton Economic Development for four years. And I had the huge privilege of working with probably the smartest group of people I've ever been around. And in doing that, our challenge was helping Edmonton companies grow and also telling the world about what's happening in Edmonton so that companies here would have an easier time expanding into other uh, other places. And, you know, it's so interesting because during that time, I met so many entrepreneurs and so many people who are really concerned not only about the innovation that they're working on, but also elevating this city's reputation globally. And I think we're also proud of being from Edmonton, which, you know, for people that aren't from here, maybe they don't really understand why people that live here love it so much. But for me, it felt really good because I've had so many chances to move away and I haven't. And people always ask me like, oh, why are you still here? Why did you stay to, stay in Edmonton? And yes, it's because my family lives here, but it's also because it's such a collaborative and creative community. Um, and so I find that people are doing interesting things all the time. And you just have to ask the question and and people will tell you the most interesting things. So when I worked in economic development, one of the things I learned about was how little we actually export here in the region. And so, you know, we have a really rich agricultural background here. We make a lot of products. We have a lot of advanced manufacturing. We have a really strong logistics hub, but yet we don't actually export a lot of what we make. So I think that the, the stat uh, is somewhere around 80% of Alberta companies rely on Alberta for 100% of its revenue, which is mm. wild to me, uh, especially in times like the pandemic when yeah. you know markets are affected so much. And so that kind of took me down this path of thinking about why that is. And, and I learned by doing. So I started exploring what could be done if I tried to 
create a food product in Edmonton made from uh, some of the agricultural crops that we grow here. And long story short, I went through a bunch of different iterations and I ended up uh, founding a company called Field Notes. And what we do here is that we make herbal liqueurs that are made from distilled Alberta field peas. And we're the first company in North America to use peas in this way. And it's just kind of a fun opportunity to try to export something, try to make something tangible rather than working in more of a consulting role. And um, and ultimately, it just lets me talk to a lot of really interesting and smart people about a ton of, of uh, interesting topics. So that, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I think that I love that, you know, being able to balance those things. I think that's such a good example of what so many people within Edmonton and and really probably any innovation community are doing. I think one thing I'm curious about is when you think about innovation and what you just explained is is probably a great example of that, but what do you think it means to innovate or what or what draws you to this community? You know, I think the thing that I dislike the most about the term innovation is that people tend to think about it or celebrate it only from a technology perspective. But really, to me, innovation is just looking at something and asking a question around how it could be done differently, not necessarily better, even just differently. And there might be reasons for you to do that. You know, for example, uh, Lane Edwards at Pira Botanicals, she loved making you know, potions, as she calls them, uh, with her mom when she was growing up. But then when she was pregnant, she developed a real problem where her skin started reacting to all of the skincare products that she was using. And so for her to start actively digging into that and trying to figure out why led her to build Pira Botanicals, which is now a company based in Edmonton with revenue coming from Japan, coming from the US, Canada, hopefully I, th- I believe she's in Hong Kong as well. And I love seeing her grow because she cares so much about brand. She cares so much about the quality of the product. And she knows there must be a million people out there like her who can't use traditional skincare products that have a ton of chemicals in them. To me, that's the exciting thing about innovation is that if you're trying to solve a problem generally for yourself, you know that you can find other people who might have the same problem and either separately or together, you can figure out an alternative to solving it. And again, it doesn't mean that you're finding, you know, a better way or the right answer. It just means that you're finding a way that's different that appeals to a subset of people. And so that's what's exciting to me about innovation, and it kind of means that we're never done because as you learn new things or as as new technologies become available or new changes happen in our environment, we're forced to ask those questions again. Uh, and in terms of why I live here, honestly, it's because that well there's some practical reasons, which is that you know, because of the cost of living situation in Edmonton, I can travel pretty much wherever I want to and and be inspired by lots of things mm-hmm. that I see and, and experience. But also, I've never been in a place where you can tweet somebody and ask them to take to go for a coffee so you can talk to them about their business. And they'll say yes. Um, you know, I remember a number of years ago, I had an idea for a container park. And it was something that I had seen in San Francisco. And I you know, a friend of mine and I, we were we were kind of working through a plan of what that could look like in Edmonton. And I tweeted Chris Labossier and I asked him if he, we could go for a coffee. I wanted to just chat with him and get some feedback from him. And he was so kind. He took me out for lunch. We talked for a long time about my idea. 
He gave me good and bad feedback, like ways that I could improve it. And he connected me with, with other people who could actually help me take it further. And he went so far as to send an email to someone who was working in property development and asked them what they were doing with some of their spare pieces of land. And he actually set up a coffee meeting for me and even bought the coffees for it uh, in order for us to be able to talk about it. Like he took down all the wow. barriers. Yeah. And and there's a million stories like that here, I think, of people who ask a question or people who reach out for something and people actually give back. Um, and to me, that's a thing that I think is so amazing about Edmonton. Yeah, I've had a similar experience in a different way, I guess, in terms of what I've experienced as a journalist and how patient people have been with me in terms of mm -hmm. some of the terms and how, you know, Series A funding, like this is stuff I knew nothing about a couple of years ago. And people have been so patient in terms of explaining things to me and, and giving me their time. And, you know, we did another, Taproot did another uh, podcast series, you know, focused on innovation in the lead up to one of the startup TNT investment summits uh, in 2020. And, um, you know, that was kind of my first real delve into this community and uh, also talked to Chris for that podcast and talked to some entrepreneurs and investors. And it was incredible just how generous people were with their time and patient with some of my probably very dumb questions. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it's incredible. But I, I do want to back up for a second. I'm very cur curious about what a container park is. So, you know, I think they built, they're building another one here, or maybe they did. Um, but basically you take those shipping containers, they're, oh, I can't remember okay. how, they're like okay. 20 feet long and you can, you can turn them into offices or restaurants or, or whatever. And so the idea we had was very similar to what happened, uh, in the backyard during COVID. And mm. so it, we thought there would be like a public performance space in it, but then we also thought there could be some offices and things like that. But the key thing that we were thinking about is how could we how could we get people to occupy the spaces in such a way that they could each generate revenue from each other? So being really intentional about who goes into that space. So we wanted like a coffee shop or a cafe with on the end cap, and we wanted to try to build a drive through with it. But then we wanted different businesses to um, be part of it that could then become each other's customers in a really natural way so that even if they weren't getting a ton of outside traffic, which which we obviously wanted them to, but at least they knew that they would have this ecosystem of complementary businesses within. That's really cool to know where that comes from. <laughs> so in terms of Bloom, when we think about some of the things that we were just talking about and and what we'll be looking at on a weekly basis every, every Thursday, um, sometimes we'll have interviews with entrepreneurs and investors and you know people who are players within this community. Sometimes there'll be accountability type interviews. Other times we'll be delving into what people are doing um, that we're really curious about learning more about. And other times we'll, you know, pick, you know, one or two of our news items that we have our eyes on and or that have happened and really dive into them and provide that context and maybe some of that historical background and, and talk about, you know, why it matters and and all. Um, you know, hopefully be able to bridge some of those connections with conversations and interviews that I do. And then obviously, uh, you, Faiza, as well, have have lots of thoughts as um, someone who's very embedded in, in this community as well. So I think that'll be really great to be able to do that on a weekly weekly basis going forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And now we have a message from our sponsor. Bloom is brought to you by Innovate Edmonton. 
Innovate Edmonton, we are elevating our city as a global capital of innovation, a thriving center of inspiration, ingenuity, and growth. Our role is to empower you as local innovators, connecting you to capital and customers, helping you to achieve your goals and make a global impact. We're supporting career-defining jobs for a rapidly changing world where companies, consumers, and investors are looking for a triple bottom line of people, planet, and prosperity. When global investment looks at Edmonton, we can demonstrate an innovation ecosystem working in harmony with healthy access to capital, collaborative communities, and a competitive spirit. Go to InnovateEdmonton.com today to learn how to accelerate your business. All right. Well, speaking of Innovate Edmonton, they announced their first home this week. And I talked to CEO Catherine Warren a bit earlier this week about the news. Here she is. You know, we're making a showpiece for the city, but we're also helping to demystify innovation and and put it a bit more in the public realm and animate it and, uh, you know, just make sure everyone uh, really understands and appreciates the um, magnitude, volume, and diversity of innovation in our city. So Innovate Edmonton will be extending their lease in the Mercer building until October, uh, but their goal is actually to be in their new space on Jasper Avenue, uh, just in time to host Edmonton Startup Week. So I know you've been in Edmonton longer than I have, and there's quite a bit of background on this and kind of how we got to this point. So just to go through that quickly, and and please feel free to jump in and add to this. So the Catherine Warren, the CEO, her predecessors had initially pitched this idea of an innovation hub in 2018. But at the time, and, and you might remember this, it wasn't super well received by entrepreneurs in the city. Uh, my understanding is that there, there was some concern about the consultation process being not very strong, and also that the the outcome was somewhat predetermined. So that plan was eventually shelved. Are you were you around at that time? Did you participate in those consultations? I didn't participate in the consultations, but it was just after I had left uh, Edmonton Economic Development, and so I was still quite connected to the team there. And uh, yeah, I remember it being a really big thing because. The startup community, as well as, I guess, the scale-up community, so entrepreneurs in general, just felt like there was a lot of time and energy and money going into an innovation hub that they had no influence on. And if it's supposed to be something that's for them, you know, you would think that there would be a little more of that consultation. But I, I also think that it's interesting when you have public sector organizations announcing things in a way that maybe misrepresents what they actually are. Like I think the innovation hub was was probably just meant to be a glorified version of an office with just right. some common space and and you know some mentorship. But really, then it kind of spun into this big thing. And by this big thing, you mean what the announcement this week was about then about the the new home, or do you mean the former? Well, the former. Sorry, okay. yeah, the former um, iteration and and why it it kind of became a really ill received idea. And you can kind of see with this announcement. Innovate Edmonton has done a little bit more work on their comm side to make sure that people do understand that part of this decision is because they are moving and have outgrown their space in the Mercer building. And then part of it is to help them facilitate better discussions or, or with entrepreneurs and more events and things like that. So, I mean, it feels like a practical move, but Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that they're making such a big announcement out of it 
just given how that was received last time they tried to make a similar type of announcement for for a space like this. Right. And I know that they were holding some consultations earlier this year. I think it was maybe even in September around that time in the fall. I think that that was about this space. It sounded like like time-wise that would line up because I think um, it sounded like it was about a five-month process to actually uh, narrow down and and choose this specific location. Were you able to participate or or attend any of those consultations or or did you hear from anyone who did? No, I didn't. Yeah, I was. I didn't. To be honest, I didn't even know that uh, that they were going through that process. But you know, it doesn't surprise me that they they did involve some more people this time. I am I am curious to hear from someone that participated in the consultations to see what they feel about the the end decision. Yeah, it w- it would be interesting that uh, someone who maybe was opposed to um, what was proposed in in 2018 to see how different this really is. What what you've seen so far in terms of what they're promising for the renovation, like I think there's going to be a you know video and podcast production studio that's open to the public. There's going to be some co-working spaces. It sounds like they're really hoping to make all of the program divisions and the accelerator and everything really uh, come together under one roof. Do you think that, especially having that at street level and being more visible, that that will really kind of bolster the community even more? Um, I hope so. I mean, I think having these these amenities available to people, it's definitely encouraging. And I think it removes some of the barriers that people need. I know where this feels different to me than the version in 2018 is that it does feel like it's more for the community rather than trying to get entrepreneurs to all be in one space, which is what the last one kind of felt like to me. And the reason I like this is because I think we still do need that kind of area of concentration where people can see what's happening and and be part of that conversation. And it does generally happen downtown. What I do hope in a city like ours is that we can make a few of these outposts throughout the city. And so maybe if the first one is downtown, I do hope that the second and third could be in other parts of the city where there is still a lot going on, but yet they're kind of underserved by that type of community feel. I think a good example is the Edmonton Research Park. And when, you know, there's a lot of of uh, startups that were working out of that space because it has so many advantages, being so close to the airport, right. being, you know, larger space that, that more research and lab-based companies can be in. And so I think it would be nice to use this as a way to test this type of building, but then try and look at other spots in the city where we could have the same thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's so hard to know during the pandemic, like how comfortable people will be by the fall coming together. But it'll be, yeah, I'm curious to see how how much use it actually gets. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, not just by entrepreneurs, but obviously by those teams, but even people like they're hoping to draw in folks from internationally who are you know perhaps interested in setting up in Edmonton through some of these accelerator programs so I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if it it pays off in that way um, and obviously something that we'll keep our eyes on too yeah otherwise it's been a pretty strong start to the year for innovation in Edmonton uh, at least as far as I'm concerned I've, I've been able to cover quite a few number quite a number of new announcements about uh, partnerships and funding accelerators we kind of been all over the map in terms of new things happening. So some of those are Sprout Fund 2 is getting close to its $10 million target to put into seed stage companies in Western Canada. So I talked to Christina Milkey about that. And uh, she's one of the four managing partners of Sprout Fund and was, of course, involved in uh, 
in founding founding it and and the first fund there. And what what's really interesting about this is that it's the only fund of its kind headquartered in Edmonton, which I was really surprised to hear, especially knowing how much startup activity we have in the city. But so for this fund, the second one, they're hoping to invest about $150,000 to $250,000 in each company, really keeping an eye out for diverse founding teams and companies that have some good early stage traction. So I think they're quickly approaching their target. Maybe they've already reached it by the end of this week, but so we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, that story to me was really interesting. And and I know a few folks on that team. Um, and not only are they great entrepreneurs, they're really great mentors as well. What's funny to me is that for years, we have talked about the fact that there's not enough capital coming into Edmonton to help companies scale. So there's a lot of great startups here, but we always end up needing funding. And I know some people have made conscious decisions to take funding that also doesn't force them out of the city. I know Jobber, for example, when they raised one of their first rounds, a lot of funding partners were asking them to move closer to where they were. So, you know, be it Boston or or anywhere else in the US. And I remember that Sam and Forrest from Jobber were really adamant about staying in Edmonton because of the fact that their families were here. They wanted to keep this in the community. But there's always been this issue with not being able to attract enough capital. And so I think the fact that we've got Sprout, who is raising a second fund in Edmonton, um, and from what I understand, a lot of you know local investors are involved in the fund or participating in the fund. To me, that's a good signal to then go out and get capital from other places and for people to see that we're investing in our own community of entrepreneurs. So that one's really exciting to me. And, and I'm, I'm really happy that they're they're continuing to do so well. It'll be interesting to see how much success spins out of that. And hopefully we'll see a few, quite a few Alberta-based companies as well that are able to get investment through the second fund. The other one I wanted to mention that I thought was really, really cool was the Wyvern News. So they announced, I think it was last week, yeah, towards the latter half of last week, that they raised $4.5 million US and uh we're entering the Y Combinator Accelerator, Technology Accelerator. So that's really exciting because they are a space company. And I talked to the CEO, Christopher Robson, and he, I think he told me a story about, you know, when he was at the University of Alberta and he was working with the Alberta SAT program and uh, working, designing, building some of the first made in Alberta satellites. And he really felt like he'd never work in the space industry because he was based in Alberta. And then obviously they started Wyvern, uh, him and uh, some of his, uh, some of the people that he'd worked with at the Alberta SAT program. And then all of a sudden they were launching satellites. So I think they're, uh, the plan is to use some of those funds to launch its Wyvern's first three satellites and then go go on from there. But there's some pretty interesting uh, applications for uh, for what they're trying to do in, in industries like agriculture, for example. So yeah, that's exciting. And I didn't even know that we, again, this is kind of one of those funny things that you don't realize what a long history we have in satellites. There's another company that I had come across a number of years ago. I can't even remember their name, but they were doing something similar where they were using satellites to you know help farmers understand how to zone in exactly on a specific piece of land and release a specific pesticide. So you don't need to over, I don't know what the word is, but over pesticide. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, a, a city that is landlocked 
and is also not, doesn't have like a, a very deep history in space exploration or anything like that, has such a interesting innovation that is satellite or space based. So I'm, I'm excited for them. And I think, you know, the more, I think there's a few Edmonton companies that have been in Y Combinator before, but again, the more people that we have in some of these international accelerators that come with a lot of really great PR, uh, the better for, for the region. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other strength of that is that, you know, you bring that knowledge and expertise and growth back to Edmonton, hopefully, and and mm-hmm. hopefully continue to be based here. And, and that's that's shared with other companies and startups as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to mention just quickly. Um, so the new Alberta pre-accelerator, the Alberta Catalyzer is its name, um, ha- announced its first cohort. And then community-wise, the inaugural Life Sciences Investment Summit from Startup TNT uh, and Applied Pharmaceutical Innovation API Uh, announced their top 20 companies this week. So on that list from the Edmonton region is Mach 32, which is focused on creating devices for pre-hospital treatment of major trauma. And then there's also SN Biomedical, and they're out of Leduc County, and they've created the Kidney Check, which is a quick, affordable, uh, less invasive way to catch health issues in pets sooner. And then the last one is Yume, which uses thermal meditation to help you unwind from screen time for better sleep and eye health, which I could probably very much benefit from. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so overall, Startup Team T and API are aiming to raise more than $1 million for uh, the businesses. They'll be narrowing the companies down to the top five, and then those companies will will pitch to investors and participate in due diligence. Uh, and then hopefully there'll be some deals made out of the summit that's coming up. Plus, Startup TNT announced in the last week that they're bringing their clean tech investment summit that they had for the first time last year back this year as well. So they're really ramping up their fundraising opportunities and sorry, investment opportunities, I guess, for companies, which is great to see. And some of these more targeted ones, I think will maybe draw some of of the smaller companies across the region and Alberta and beyond to maybe even come set up in Edmonton. You know, it is exciting. First of all, I'm so shocked at how much startup TNT has grown. They've definitely become, you know, an organization that is really driving some impact for entrepreneurs in Edmonton. And of course, they're in, they're in Calgary and, and Saskatchewan as well. So I think kudos to them. And it always amazes me how many life sciences companies we have here and, and the way they're picking such narrow and important problems to solve. Like the folks at UMA, full disclosure, I'm, I'm friends with the founding team. They've been telling me about their innovation from the beginning. And it started as an opportunity to just help people relieve dry eye in a more convenient way. But now the way that they've incorporated thermal meditation, uh, solving the problem of, of how your eyes and your mind are affected by screen time and definitely everything we've gone through in the pandemic. It, it's so cool to see how they're solving a problem where they're able to connect multiple pieces that all kind of create the same problem. I've actually gotten a chance to try their their device and I can't wait till everybody has a chance to try it out. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, it's just like taking a nice warm massage nap for your face at any point during the day. So Emily, you have to that try it. That sounds delightful. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. You'll have to hook me up. <laughs> I'll just forget working. I'll just take a, a massage nap for my face. <laughs> Hopefully they use that as the tagline, a, a nice massage nap for yeah. your face. You guys are listening. Yes. 
Uh, all right. Well, so just looking ahead, the TELUS Communities Safety and Wellness Accelerator also began this week. So 20 tech startups from around the world are joining that with the goal of solving social challenges like racism, hate, domestic violence, personal safety and security, addictions, mental health, well-being, misinformation, and uh, a number of other ones. And the businesses that were selected to take part are from all all around the world, really. Russia, New Zealand, Israel, Turkey, Argentina, the US, and Canada, including Alberta. And one of those is Edmonton-based as well, Arito Labs, which uses AI in developing products to make digital communities more positive and inclusive. And they're actually a company, I feel like I've had I don't know if I've actually written about them that much, but I certainly had my eye on them and um, really impressive too. Um, female founded company and they're doing some some pretty neat things in Edmonton and uh, their backstory as well in terms of why they actually started Rito Labs is, is quite cool. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with it, but I'm not deeply familiar with it. I know I've read a lot, same as you, I've read a lot about them and I've I've seen them in a lot of things. And I know um, they also had some connection to Parity Yeg, where they were trying to, where one of the founders or, or maybe both was trying to encourage more women to run for public office. So I just think, you know, the fact that they're able to focus on a problem like this, um, you know, and, and using AI and using technology to, to make online communities more positive and, and inclusive, that's just you know, there's no better time to do that than now. I think moving forward, it's going to be an even bigger challenge. And the YEG Startup Community Awards are coming back in spring of 2022. They're looking for volunteers right now. And Emily, I believe you hosted the event last year. Um, and did. I'm sure you can appreciate that. Uh, it was a great way to celebrate successes and key contributors in our community. Yes, no, it was definitely a really good opportunity for people to come together. I think it was especially appreciated because during the pandemic, so many folks hadn't seen each other for a long time. So even virtually, it was nice to for everyone to be on the same screen. And hopefully, you know, as these events start to repeat, that uh, they'll eventually be in person and be able to recognize people who have been really remarkable within within um, the startup community in in a space where everyone can gather and maybe even have some like really great big pretzels like there was at startup week a couple of years ago. <laughs> you had, um, had big pretzels. <laughs> yes. Yes. Clearly I'm very into the food at these events, uh, which has been very difficult during the pandemic <laughs> to not have. Um, as we look to kind of the next year and especially as we embark on this podcast journey together. What kind of predictions do you have for the startup ecosystem for innovation? And and what kind of things will you be watching for in 2022? You know, I don't have any predictions. Um, And that's maybe because I don't want anyone to tell me that I was wrong at the end of the year. But um, what I'm really excited about and what I'm keeping an eye on are the unsung heroes. There's a lot of really smart very thoughtful people in our community. And I can't wait to see who bubbles up to the top and how much people become familiar with innovations that are coming out of Edmonton. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm also really interested to see how people embrace this remote world to attract really great talent. You know, I think that's one thing that we've struggled with a lot in this city is mid-level talent. You know, we tend to have a lot of really great junior talent and then people come back here later in their careers and, and take a leadership role or a mentorship role in, in a company. But it seems like that middle layer is hard to find here. And I think, you know, from a brand and reputation standpoint, there's obviously been some challenges with attracting people to Edmonton, but with all the work we've done in terms of, uh, 
tourism, but also now with being able to invite people into the city, even virtually, uh, I'm really excited to see how people tap into these global talent pools. I think that's probably one of the best pieces of potential for us in our startup community. Yeah, I think that that will be something really interesting to chat about next week um, when we'll be back with the CEO of Innovate Edmonton, Catherine Warren, and I'll be talking to her. So I'm curious to see what, uh, what she has to say about that. That's it for this week. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes of Bloom. You can also visit taprootedmonton.ca for the latest innovation news. Bloom is produced by Taproot Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Dave Von Beeker and cover art by Vicky Wersinski. Mm-hmm.